Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. On today's episode, it's time to check back in with the Chicago Cubs. We're just past the 20-game mark, and the Cubs are currently playing a doubleheader right now, down 5-1 to one in the second inning. So we're going to be doing half a simulcast, half a check-in. So bring it back in, my Cubs buddies, my Cubs experts. First coming on the pod, Dom Fortini. Welcome back, my friend. Long-time listener handful of times contributor i mean is this when i make my speech where i thank my agents and everything for being able to hook me up with this this is great this is one for the thumb this is what's <laughs> happening today <laughs> i didn't come for a haircut boys <laughs> and also of course we'll bring it back uh, another wonderful guest who's on the show on the pod a whole lot sean graves hello sean How's it going, my friend? I actually am here for a haircut, so let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Let's spin you around in the chair, put the ball in your head, and let's give you something tight. Something tight for $8. Please. Runners on first and second right now, bottom of the second inning. Nico Horner's up under the Mendoza line. But real quick, I think the big story, the early surprise in this game is just Alec Mills had a really hard time getting out of that first inning. You know, you're not going to be great every single start, but he had been so solid all season long. Last start, he actually pitched pretty well those first couple of innings, and they got burned by the three-run home run. You know, Sean, you know, you're going to get these starts every once in a while, but is this maybe the first red flag of is the Alec Mills honeymoon over, or do you just think this might be a bump in the road? Yeah, well, I was going to say, and you touched on it, like his last start, he looked so great the first few innings, and then boom. So if you kind of take the end of the last start into the beginning of this, he's, he's had some very, very, very rough last few innings here. You know, I think he's he's in the mold of Hendricks, right? If he can't command that secondary pitch and people can just sit on his fastball, which was the case today, he's doomed. If he's got to throw 90 over the plate, we'll see on Waveland because that ain't going to work in the big league. So I, I still have faith. I mean, what's the other option right now? You know what I mean? So let's give him today and probably one more time through and we'll go from there. Dom, if you're in the manager's seat, if you're David Ross right now, in this kind of start, you get roughed up in the first inning. Is the leash a little bit shorter on a day like today? Or would you like to see Alec Mills maybe try and work through some of this and maybe get to that four or five inning mark and maybe try and at least keep your team in the ball game? Wouldn't that mean a little bit of something for a guy yeah. that's still trying to make a mark? Like Sean said, I, I think you gotta, he's got to have command. And if you're pitching behind, it doesn't matter who you are or who you're playing. Like These guys are professional hitters and are going to knock you around. But in this seven-inning game, you feel like, you know, time is of the essence, but, but I would think keep them in as long as you can. I mean, you're on your, you know, this is fourth and three days and I'm not trying to make excuses because I don't even like the seven inning rule to tell you the truth, but um, let them stick it out. You know, we're only bottom two. I know he's got, you know, 60 plus pitches already, which can't be good, but you're playing a team that's a true professional. You're playing a division rival and and let's see what we can get out of this. If, if you can kind of hold steady at least for maybe one, two more innings and kind of string guys out in the bullpen, you can kind of count that as a win, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, maybe you get to Flaherty, maybe you don't, but at least you're showing some confidence in Mills. you got to keep the ball down. These are pro hitters. You can't, you can't walk and hit a guy in the first inning and expect to come out okay. Well, it looks like Jack Flaherty is going to come out of the game right here. He just plunked Nico Horner. The bases are now loaded with Ian Happ, who led off the game with the home run coming in. Dom, you were talking about professional hitters. And, of course, Matt Carpenter. 
Um, Matt Carpenter, I don't always hit the baseball, but when I do, I yeah. do it against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley That's Field. Right. What he is could, that? He could roll out of bed and get, you know, go three for five against the Cubs with nine RBI or something ridiculous. Like, how long is it, as a Cub fan, how long has this guy been playing? Isn't it time for him to retire? Because this is all I see. It's, I feel like guys like Ryan Braun and Matt Carpenter are just guys who can stick it to this club all the time. And I understand, you know, this year especially, like how, first of all, I'm on the ledge. Like the first 10 games was great. The second 10 games, not great at all. Different story. Just, I am so sick of every single Milwaukee Brewer. And I, I don't know how players are not sick of them. Like seeing the same guys come up, you know, you're, you're taking the same approach and you're getting burned the same way. And it's a big surprise. So I don't know if better planning's got to go into this or you stick with the game plan and go down with the ship. Orlando Arcia for MVP uh, whenever he plays the Cubs. It's incredible. <sighs> Sean, Jack Flaherty's out of the game. Uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, I mean, he didn't really look like he had his best stuff. He was only pumping 92 miles an hour. But that is a good sign for the Cubs right now. Just the mere specter that he is not in this game anymore. Well, yeah, you know, this was his first start since opening day. So his arm strength may be down. They keep saying he was throwing the ball against a mattress during their, during their COVID thing. So for whatever good that gets you, right? That sounds like a weird sexual innuendo thing. I don't it know does. how I feel about it. That sounds like that, that'll get Mark Gray suspended for five days yeah. <laughs> when he says something like that. So. But, but I am a little surprised that with the 5-1 five, five, uh, lead in the, you know, beginning of a doubleheader that you wouldn't you wouldn't give him some run and let him even if he gives up a couple runs here you still have a 5-3 lead let him try to get you through three or four innings but I mean hopefully it works out for the Cubs and Ian Happ does something here Ian Happ uh hitting and lead off obviously his OPS is over a thousand I don't think there's a lot of argument here that he is our most consistent best offensive player right now we'll see what he does here with this at bat you know whoever wants to go first him in the leadoff spot seems like something that might be here to stay. You know, KB is going to be out for the next couple of days after getting an injection on his wrist. Even when KB does come back, are we really going to trust him to be able to ignite the offense at the top of the lineup? We need to sort him out and get him ironed out as quick as we possibly can. You know, Ian Happ at leadoff, you know, how do you guys feel about that? Do you think that's something that could stick around at least, you know, until we talk again in the next 10 games? Well, I'll so I mean, I'll jump in because, you know, I, I was the biggest proponent going back to last year of putting KB in that leadoff spot. And, and again, when he's healthy, which that's a whole other podcast in itself, probably when KB is healthy and he's going right, I still agree with him in the leadoff, but for now he's not healthy. And I think you do have to keep Ian Happ in that leadoff spot. He's going 313 batting average with a 439 on base. You put him and Riz back to back. That's a, that's a damn good one, two in the, you know, the top of the order. And then it, for a later conversation in the podcast, I'm sure, then we can leave it up to three, four, five to stop striking out every other bat and do something with that. Oh, we'll get to the heart of the order. Don't you worry. Dom, Ian Happ at the top of the leadoff spot, you know, putting your hottest hitter up there. It looks like we're beginning to slowly create a Dexter Fowler curse up there. No one really can seem to figure out how to get it done as Ian Happ strikes out with the bases loaded here. But, you know, Ian Happ at the top of the leadoff spot, Tom, do you, do you like that? Do you like putting your hottest hitter up there? Should we let it roll? Or, or man, maybe just put Rizzo up there or somebody else to take, I would think, to take that curse on. And looking, at, and looking at some of the numbers, you know, putting Rizzo at the top isn't really the worst idea right now. He's, he's having – he's, you know, he's starting to come around. But as, as Sean would say, you know, with, with Ian Happ, I mean, this guy, 
and we joked about it in, in the early season preview, how MLB, the show, had him hitting 40-plus home runs. But he's been certainly gangbusters recently. You know, with the, the home run in the first, he's, you know, he's hitting over 325 on base percentage near 450. In 23 games, he's got 22 hits, 13 runs, 14 RBI. And the only, the only thing of concern is he's already got four more uh, strikeouts than Chris Bryant has in less games. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. More Brian's got more games, but I can't have a guy that's not seen a bunch of pitches at the top of the order. And, you know, furthermore, just with the eye, I mean, that's just the numbers. The eye test, Hap's swinging a hot bat, but right now it's kind of a novelty to have him in the number one spot. Um, is that going to, is that going to wear off? If, if Brian comes back and you put him in like a, a, a three spot, a six spot, somewhere lower in the order, is, is that really going to benefit him or, or the more relaxed atmosphere at that bottom of the order going to fit better with Ian Happ, which I think is the case. I think he could be a catalyst with the bottom guys in that order, and that could be a different kind of wrecking crew than the guys at the top of the order, which are seeing a bit of some struggles right now. That's an interesting point. We never really tried KB in the five or the six hole and just, you know, kind of maybe just take a little bit of the pressure off, uh, just start, you know, maybe trying to be able to produce from there. Let's talk about KB, right? You know, out the next couple of days with the wrist, dealing with these bumps and bruises, as David Ross continues to say. And I'm just really, really getting concerned. I mean, injuries aside, he's looked completely impotent at the plate. Can't hit the ball hard. Can't square up the baseball. There's a lot of theories going on right now. You know, obviously, theory one is, is he the type of player that, you know, he's that Porsche Ferrari, right? He has to be 100% to be able to play the game that we know that he plays it. You know, if he's at 96%, his 96 isn't quite exactly the same as someone else that might be playing with an ailment. You know, a lot of people think that it's the mechanics in his swing right now. They think that they're holding his, his bat isn't rising up high enough before he gets the barrel through the zone. They think he's dragging the barrel right now, which isn't helping him clean it up. You know, or is it maybe the pressure of the leadoff spot, the pressure to perform? He is coming up on a contract soon. We've been talking about that for years now. He will be a free agent next year. Sean, you know, if you could put your finger, I mean, it's, it's got to be a combination of one things. But if one of those things can maybe, you know, bear out a little bit further than the others, what would you put your finger on with what's going on with KB right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a little tough, right, to know because, you know, we, we only know what we know about the injuries, right? Like, we, we – keep thinking that it's like ticky-tack stuff, you know, shoulder, elbow, finger, whatever. But I guess we'll never really know till probably season's end how bad these injuries actually are, right? So without, without knowing for sure, I mean, it, it's hard to say, you know, is, it, is he just a guy that he's just injury-prone, and when he gets injury-prone, he completely loses the ability to play his game? But I also think, too, that, like, as, as Cup fans, as much as we want to believe it, like, this myth of, of KB being one of the top 10, 15 players in baseball, I just don't think it's a thing. He's a really good baseball player, but he's not a great baseball player. He's just not. Now, I mean, again, maybe the injuries have taken that away from him, but this has really been since the injury thing since, what, mid-2017 now? So, I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know at this point. I think he kind of is what he is. He'll get on base. He'll hit 280. Maybe he'll give you 30, 35 home runs with 80 RBIs, and that's not bad. But it's sure not two, two twenty-five, two hundred fifty million dollar player type numbers. Dom, what's your take on KB just so far this season? You know, can he play through injury? You know, when he comes back 
Do you think he will be able to produce at some point? Or, you know, what's your take on where he's at right now? I, I'm pretty sure we could all agree that he's not going to hit 177 for the rest of his career. Um, I think this, you know, like Sean said, if he can hit you 280, which sounds a real far, you know, 103 points away from where he is right now, that's a stretch. But, I mean, the slash line for him this season, 177, 271, and 323, along with uh, 20 strikeouts in six walks in 16 games at the leadoff spot. Those are not leadoff guy numbers at all. Um, you know, one of the things, you got to hit your weight in this league and he is not, you know, he's, he's tipping the scales at more than 177. And again, just getting back to the eye test and watching these guys day after day, it seems like teams have the book on him, you know, like, you know, he's going to swing at that high fastball with two strikes and they're just burning them all over the place. And he, at times he really looks, I don't know if it's confused or he just looks more like he's guessing in his swing what's coming, but uh, he's certainly struggling, whether it's, uh, off the field contract issues or, you know, injuries just starting to pile up on him. Um, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to push him out of the league or anything like that. I think he'll be fine overall. Um, he's just having some struggles early on. And maybe this is just because, you know, this is his April and uh, he's not, you know, some of these guys aren't used to the sprint versus the marathon kind of thing. And he's maybe a believer and I could make the adjustment and I'm going to be okay. But um, from the outside, you, you got to make the adjustment now because we need you to be okay right now. We need you to be great. I'm in agreement that it definitely looks like he's pressing a little bit. Definitely looks like he's tinkering with his swing. You know, he's, he's misjudging counts, you know, like he's just taking fastballs right down the middle, you know, early on in the count and then coming back later and just kind of whiffing right through some stuff that he should probably be squaring up pretty hard. I just haven't really seen him hit the ball very hard. I mean, even on outs, even on ground balls, I mean, that 323 slugging is kind of really all you need to know about where he's at right now. And, you know, this is I, – I, my, my biggest fear about KB is that when he hurt his shoulder two years ago, he had to change the follow-through on his swing. So he had to take some of the violence out of his swing. Natural, your natural thought is, okay, well, that takes away some of his power. But then all of a sudden I'm starting to think too as well, if you start changing your swing a little bit, you know, eventually other shit's going to get hurt as well. You know, he, so you, saw the, you saw the knee get a little bit banged up. He had that sore knee for a long stretch. And it's sort of that thing. I don't know if it's the, the Chet Stedman thing where he's afraid to really cut it loose on his swing. Fear, you know, remember he, he was going to come back and he was going to – his follow-through was going to have two hands on it. He was going to completely yeah. change his follow-through for a while. I mean, that is some major – that's some major stuff happening – on a major league baseball team, which I think is really hard to do and transfer over to. And sort of my fear is that the, the secret that no one wants to admit is that KB's had to change the swing. And I'm with you, Sean, he can still be a productive player. And, but the, the top 15 player thing is completely out the window. I yeah. mean, anyone that would give him two million, two hundred million million right now is absolutely insane. And yeah. My my fear is that maybe, you know, we're looking at the same guy. He's walking and talking like Chris Bryant, but maybe he just might not be that same player moving forward because his body might not just let him. And yep. that's the biggest fear right there. And we'll see what happens with his wrist and his finger. And yet, it's unfortunate, too. It doesn't seem like he can play the game hard without getting hurt. Well, and, you know, and we and we – we, we love a guy like Chris Bryant to sit right there in that three or four hole and do damage, but that's just never really been him. Like 
ultimately with where he's at in his career, he might just be kind of the perfect two-hole hitter, to be honest with you. A guy that's going to get on base, hit 280, run the base as well. Again, knock you in 75, 80, 80 RBIs on a really, really good team. Teams that compete for World Series, that's exactly what you're looking for at the top of your lineup, right? And then the guys that knock you in 1-110 are batting 3-4 and four in your lineup. Dom, hop in. As a Chris Bryant fan, I, it's, it pains me to sit here through this, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm taking him down a peg, too. I just, you know, 22, you know, right before the season started, the three of us were talking, and, you know, we're ready to pay him. So, I mean, 20, a 22-game stretch is really going to cost him $75 million or so? I, I just I – don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, the only thing about that in the slight pushback on it is I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Bryant too as well. It's just when you pay a guy $175 million, there should never be a 22-game stretch where you only drive in four runs. It's just, called, called Jason Hayward. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, there you go, though. But that's, but that's, what, we're, that's what we're talking about, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not considered to be that kind of player. And even, you know, even when they're not doing at their best, you know, Javier Baez, let's be honest, we've got plenty of things we can criticize Javier Baez <laughs> about right now. But he still, you know, has four home runs. He still has 10 RBIs. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not – he's off his production, but at least he's kind of giving us a little bit of something. I mean, the, the fact that KB just can't even hit the ball hard right now outside of, you know, that home run that he hit, you know, a couple of days ago after that diving play in Cleveland. I mean, man, it, it, it's a bit jarring how – just how feeble he looks right now, and I, I'm concerned. Go ahead, Sean. Well, and I was going to say, you know, and let's be clear. We, we all still really like KB. No one's, no one's talking about demoting the guy to, to South Bend. Like, he's still a really good baseball player just probably not top 15 in the game like we once thought he would be. And for me, you know, like Dom said, yeah, we were talking about beginning of the year a month ago about what he would get paid. What, what does kind of change for me, like you just kind of said, Joey, in the last 22 games, is that he's hurt once again. Like even before the wrist, he was missing games, what, with the, with the back issue, right? Like in the back issue with Chris Bryant, that, that's kind of a new thing. If, that's kind of a Rizzo thing, right? You know, was it contagious? Should they have a mask on the back? Like, did that get passed around the clubhouse? I don't recall KB missing games due to a back again. But remember, this is a big dude. What is KB, 6'4"? I mean, big dudes, as they age, their body tends to break down a little bit more, especially when you're swinging a violent thing like a bat or look at it like a, like a golfer in their back in a golf club as they get older, right? So that's kind of what does change for me again 22 games in is that once again – He's missing multiple games. His production is dropping off because he's hurt again. And I'm not trying to send him off to Mark Grace Island. You know what I mean? We're yes. not trying to get rid of him. But, what, but, but kind of the thing I'm asking is, you know, they're going to sit him for two days, try and bring him back on Friday. The question then sort of remains is, I know he wants to be out there with the guys and grind it out through the injuries, but who is that helping? It is not helping the back of his baseball card, and it's not helping the Chicago Cubs. So, if he is the type of player that really needs that time to get back to hundred percent, you know, maybe it's time to put him on the IL and make him let him come back when he's a hundred percent, you know, valiant effort aside, you know, if he's no if he's no good to us right now, you know, we need to figure out a way to get him right as quick as possible. Go ahead, Sean. What I was going to say, you know, before we came on this, I was looking up to some stats on baseball perspective and they have, you know, the, the top 12 players on the current team ranked from one to 12 KB's nowhere to be found. David Bodie's on the list. He's not. You know what I mean? So if, you're, if you are banged up and you need to be taking shots, maybe two days isn't enough. Maybe give him through the weekend. Maybe let a guy like, you know, like Bodie or so-and-so so 
who's playing a little bit better right now in the moment, get some time and let KB try to get healed up. He's no good to us up there hitting a buck 70 right now. Just not. No, it's no good. Uh, Cardinals still up five to one bottom of the third inning. Rizzo just hit a laser and Colton Wong at second base snagged it out of there. And just the shift. Threw him I, hate out. I hate the shift, Joey. And the shift is just the worst. <laughs> the oh. shift is absolutely the worst. So real quick, my, my thing on the shift is, you have to have at least one foot on the infield if you are considered an infielder. It is like declaring in football when you declare yourself offensively eligible is the exact same thing I should think we should have in baseball where you can't have someone sitting out there in the outfield as like a fourth outfielder or whatever. If he's going to be an infielder, you have to have at least one foot on the dirt. That's kind of my well, whole vibe on that. And if, you, if you're a third baseman, guess where you play? You play third base. You don't get to go stand out in right field. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like we have positions in baseball for a reason. You, I, uh, that's a whole, that's a whole different podcast too. Sorry. Don't Listen, get me I'm, started. Go ahead, Doug. I'm, I am, you know, as much as I don't like the shift, like, are you kidding me? Like you should shift all eight guys to one side. If you had to, who cares? Like, you know, prove me wrong. Your stats say otherwise the stats say you're going to pull the ball. I get upset when guys shift and the pitcher kind of doesn't participate and you're not pitching into the shift kind of thing you're kind of going with your own game plan. So if everybody shifts to the right side of the field with Kyle Schwerber and the pitcher's throwing fastballs on the outside corner to him, it, it drives me crazy. Like, what are you doing out there? And then, what was it, last night, Machado, they move Machado in a shift, and he makes a, a play on a ball that, you know, would be impressive if the right fielder made it, if the second baseman made it. But since he was out there, you know, he, he it, was, it was a nice play. You know, running 100 feet down the line, along the wall, sticks his glove out, makes a play. Look what I found. Um, but shift all you want. Like, let the play, you know, let the player decide if they're going to, if he's going to beat the shift. We've seen Rizzo try and lay down a bunt. We've seen Schwarber try and lay down a bunt. And, you know, if, if that's what teams can do to, you know, quote unquote, limit their damage with a guy like Rizzo or Schwarber, then that's a good game plan too. Instead of Schwarber hitting the, the Toyota truck up in right field, he's just rolling one wall on the third baseline. And it, it's, it's the game like it comes with like the science and information and that's where we're at right now I don't I, who cares if the third baseman plays on the infield stick them in short center bad doesn't matter to me Beat bad, it. bad for the game it takes away yeah I'm, I'm torn I'm torn on it I mean home runs aside and exit velocity aside I totally understand no. you know the, the concept of why don't you just go the other way and just you know hit the ball to all fields and everything that's all well and good but you're just trying to go up there and hit the ball hard and I just it just blows my mind that Rizzo just smokes the ball right there, that it is a single in any other era up until circa 2008 or nine. That is Joe a base. Madden, Joe Madden in Tampa Bay, right? <laughs> Wasn't he the first guy, first manager to do that? I mean, unbelievable. And, you know, obviously they're so deep that they're able to get to it. It just sort of drives me nuts. I want to pivot off this real quick as uh, Schwarber looks at a 3-1 pitch right now and takes it for a strike to bring a full count in the bottom of the third inning. Uh, Is Mark talk about, okay with this, like, that you're doing this? <laughs> oh, dude, trust me. They're totally fine, man. That is a loosely run. Uh, <laughs> Express risk, written consent for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Marquee Network right now. I mean, we, we, have our, we have our own thoughts about their programming issues right now, but they should be looking at what we're talking about right now and thinking about bringing us on. I want to talk about you, Darvish. I mean, it's worth talking about. I feel like as Cubs fans, we've spent many, many an hour already in the last two and a half years 
uh, speaking about the things that we don't enjoy about him being on the team, about how he's overpaid 126 million, how he's a bum, he's tipping his pitches, he's mentally soft, yada, yada. We've done all that. Now let's kind of shovel some stuff into the other side, <laughs> <laughs> the other side of that wagon and see if we can balance it out. Because, you know, the second half of last season aside, these first five starts have been high quality. I mean, they've been exactly what you want out of an ace. They're not otherworldly, but they're pretty damn close. If you had to put in a Cy Young vote today, I think he would at least get some votes or at least some top three votes. Uh, Dom, we'll go to you first. Just your general thoughts on, you know, you Darvish, what he's been doing. He looks like a totally different guy than the dude that we first signed in those first few starts when he couldn't even, you know, he couldn't even throw a strike to save his life. Yeah, right now, really, my only problem with him is he just grinds the game down when he gets guys on base. Like Methodical. Oh, my gosh. I can't even. That's the one drawback to watching a U Darvish game. Yes. The good news about that is he's not letting a lot of guys on base right now. Three games, 20 innings, 14 hits, giving up only three runs, 14 pitches per inning. Oh, that's great. That's a great now, number for him. That, you know, that 14 pitches might take – you know, 14 minutes, who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, almost 10 K's per, per outing. That, that, come on. What are we doing out here? He's this, he's the stud of the staff right now. And you know, Kyle or Kyle doesn't have too bad of numbers. Um, but right now there's a new number one on the staff and, and that's good. Um, it, it's nice to see him get some, a little bit of confidence. It's nice as a Cub fan to finally start seeing some return. Maybe he's a little bit more comfortable at Wrigley. Maybe he's a little bit com more comfortable without fans. Um, maybe he's just more comfortable with the Albert Amora hairstyle he's got, but, uh, it's certainly showing up that he's in a much better place than he's been in a long time. It's like Almora literally took off his wig from last year and just gave it to you, Darvish. <laughs> it looks like he's got one of those like visors with the hair that comes out that yeah. you wear yeah, on like yeah, a boat yeah. or something. Like it's attached to the visor. It Absolutely. Looks, it looks like uh, he looks like Gundy, the Oklahoma State football coach, right? Just oh man, got, yeah. he's got that cabbage flowing out of the helmet there. A lot of lettuce there. Yeah. And yeah, like uh, Darvish on the mound, everything is in perpetual slow motion. Even the oh. even the wind up and the release, which is pretty incredible. I do think the one thing that I've kind of noticed recently that's been a big difference between even last year is that not only is he able to locate his fastball for strikes, but now he's getting swings and misses on those strikes, you know, up in the zone, that 96 mile an hour pitch up in the zone. It looked like for some reason that other teams were able to sort of able to key in on that for whatever reason these past years. And he had to stick with his off-speed stuff all the time. He had to throw sliders first pitch. And now he's able to kind of use that fastball as a weapon. And that seems to have really sort of changed how he goes about it in terms of confidence. Sean, what are you seeing? Well, I, I agree with you with what you just said there. That I mean, you, you hear it in baseball for all pitchers that fastball command is key. But for Darvish, fastball command is key. If he doesn't know where that fastball goes, then he gets in his head. and He's like, okay, which one of my other 89 pitches that I invented am I going to go up here and throw? But when he knows he can pump 96, 97 for strikes – and the hitter's standing there going, oh, shit, he's throwing 97 for strikes, then the hitters have to worry about which one of his 89 pitches he created is he going to throw. And I'll throw some more stats on top of what Dom did. So through five starts, 1-8 ERA and 30-inning pitch, 34 Ks to five walks. That's 7-1. to one. ERA plus of 2-5-4, a .9 whip, and only one home run allowed on top of what Dom said, the 10.2 Ks per nine. How is he not – at, right there at the top of the list for Cy Young voting right now, however that may shake out 
this year with wars and such. He would have never given up that home run if he wasn't throwing a no hitter because he wouldn't have been in the game at that. I was point. about to say, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the Justin, yeah, Justin Smoke just the other night. I mean, that was that was pretty recent. And yeah, you're right. Like, what is it, Ricky Vaughn's the Humiliator, the Terminator, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Masturbator? Yeah. Uh, what, what, I'm, I'm missing a couple <laughs> other ones. But yeah, he's got tons of different pitches. He's got that splitter. He's got the cutter. He's got the slider. And he's really kind of got everything going on right now. And it's kind of really nice. It's been a while. You know, even when John Lester was at his best, I mean, it has been three or four years since probably Jake Arrieta that we've had a guy that we know when he steps on the mound, he has dominant stuff that is a clear advantage that day versus the opposition. You know, when Hendricks hits the bump, you're always like, I think he's going to twirl a gem today. Let's see him do his magic, but you're never feeling like that dominance or that sort of leverage and advantage that you're feeling like when Darvish is on the mound these days. It's been pretty, pretty impressive. I think, I think getting, ahead, uh, getting ahead of the count, throwing that first pitch fastball, like Sean said, it, it really starts to mess with, you know, what is coming next? Am I going to get something off speed? Am I, is he going to work it in? Is he going to work it up? Am I going to have to guess somewhere outside? And just, you know, there's a lot of swings and misses on some of these guys that he makes look really foolish. And I think that's, you know, again, when you get ahead of a guy and you can pitch in your favor, just pays dividends all the time. And that's, that's what he's cashing in right now. Go ahead, Sean. Well, and, and on that same top 12 prospectus list, you Darvish is number one on the Cubs team. And based off what Dom just said, you know, getting ahead, first pitch strikes. I mean, today, today's game that we're all watching right now with Alec Mills is a perfect example. He fell behind every, just about every hitter and just got rocked. So it's so, so important for a guy to get ahead in the count as much as possible. Jason Hayward just took a walk. Bases loaded now, bottom of the third inning. And here comes Northbrook's finest, the little, the little Louie legend, Jason Kipnis himself. Real quick, you know, just a couple of things on Jason Kipnis. Just been really pleasant surprise, right? I mean, it looks like he's changed his swing a little bit, where now it's just more of like this like tennis racket, backhanded swing sort of action. And the opportunities that he's gotten so far, he's made the most of. It's been a positive addition to the team, as opposed to David Descalso, Daniel Descalso from last year. Yeah. You well, know, he's I, 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 Oh, so go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I don't know if Kipnis is an everyday player, but he has been a nice uh, addition off the bench as a rotational piece. For sure. And I, th- I think it, it kind of feels like that Rossi is starting to lean towards him a little bit more over Nico, whereas that first 10 games, it felt like it was a bit of, of a split, whereas I think now Kipnis is starting to get a few more starts because he's hitting better. And he was also the one uh, – in the on-deck circle the other night when Bodie hit the three-run bomb, screaming out, yeah! I thought it was Rossi at first, but it was Kipnis, apparently. Yeah, that's been awesome. Uh, they did an interview with Dave Ross in-game, and he's trying to do the interview, and he's still, like, just clapping and yelling, and I think someone worked a walk, and he, like, pulled the, the thing up just so he could yell at him. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like the, the vocalizing. That is definitely something a little bit different than Joe Madden. You know, Dom, just quick thoughts on Nico Horner. Started off hot, young player, been really scuffling lately. It looks like ever since he's gotten the black eye, he hasn't really been able to, uh, to square the baseball up recently. Yeah, I, I think it comes with, you know, a little bit of experience with those two guys. Kipnis, um, you know, he's just obviously more experienced than Nico. And, you know, after a couple of games, teams start to figure out where they can pitch you, how to get you out, uh, where your holes might be. And I think that's what he, what's going on right now. It's nice to see, um, you know, he's got a very patient eye at the plate. Maybe he can stand to be a little bit more uh, aggressive, but maybe, you know, in this new era of the DH, he's a guy you can stick at second base, maybe in the eighth or ninth slot in the lineup who can, you know, work that 
extra guy on for when that lineup rolls over. Having said that, I Kipnis, not much of a surprise. He's like Kipnis is a good ball player. Um, he's a guy who I think if you were a grinder kind of person, you'd put him on your team. Um, cause he just, you know, not to steal from grace again, but the guy just seems like a dirt bag. Like he just wants to, you know, he wants to hit the ball hard. He wants to, he wants to run hard. He wants to play hard. And, and I think you need guys like that on your team. I'm happy. You know, he came out a little early and was like, listen, this, this COVID thing's affecting me because it's, a, you know, he's in a contract year. He's trying to play for another year. I think he would be a great couple year addition to the Cubs yeah I mean even with Nico on the team still I, I think it's a good platoon situation for the both of them it's definitely a great fit and you brought up a really good point about Nico Horner where this sort of seems like we're at that point now 58 bats in that now is time for him to make an adjustment because teams are starting to pitch him a little bit differently and that's really tough for a young player and it's maybe sometimes it takes them that five six seven games to really kind of figure it out I do think he's got the swing and the type of mentality to be able to pull out of it, but maybe that's a little bit of something that's going on right now. Jason Kipnis grounds out to second. We're moving on to the fourth inning right now. Getting I do want to. I know it's already getting late in these seven, <laughs> these fourth seven inning. inning charades against the St. Louis Pony Cardinals, who literally cannot play a nine inning game anymore because they have to play all these double headers now in a row, which uh, maybe is a maybe is a rant and rave for another day. I do want to ask you guys about the top five guys in the lineup. We did cover KB a little bit. No one's doing terrible. No one's doing great, right? And at the beginning of the season when we were doing our preview, my big thing was that I wanted to see those five guys in that lineup. And we're talking, you know, we're talking Bryant. We're talking Rizzo. We're talking Baez. We're talking Contreras. We're talking Schwarber. All in the lineup at the same time for a 45-game stretch. And I sort of wanted to see where we, where we shake out on that. And to this point, we've been winning some baseball games with all those guys in the lineup, but not everyone's necessarily clicking. You know, Rizzo's been doing fine. You know, he's been coming up with some big hits when he needs to. He's still hitting the ball hard. I think he's hit into a little bit of hard luck. But I'm looking kind of more at Bias, Contreras, and Schwarber. Let's go around the horn a little bit. Out of those three guys, Bias, Contreras, and Schwarber, you know, who do you think the Cubs need the most to get going? And who do you think probably – personally professionally individually needs to get going the most right now uh sean we'll go to you first well before i give you my answer let me let me let me give you this from our from our three four five right now this is, this is typically our three four five pretty much every day hold on let uh, me let me sit down and put a cold yeah. compress to my head before i pass <laughs> climbing out. the ledge here we go so, yeah. <laughs> so hobby in the three hole this is through the first inning today by the way 31 k's and 92 plate appearance 34 percent Schorber, 33 Ks and 84 at 39%. Willie, 30 and 82 at 37%. So that's your three, four, five hitters who are one, two, and three on strikeouts on the team. I don't care if you have Ricky Henderson and Ty Cobb in the one, two spot. That would be a good, that'd be a good top of the order, though. You got that'd be, yeah, that's good way to start your team, though. But it doesn't matter if the, if the guys behind them are up here striking out at a 35 to 40% clip. It's oh disgusting. Oh, my God. We're right back to the same offense of the last two years where it's home run or bust. Now, having said that, and, you know, we had this discussion kind of at the, the, the pre-pod this year, looking forward to the whole season, about who would bat three behind these guys. And I threw out Hayward at the time, which right now looks like a pretty damn good idea. And as much as I knew it was going to be Hobby, my one worry was this, that he was going to get up there and try to pull everything to left field, strike out a ton, and just kill a lot of innings. 
So he's my choice for guy that has to get going. Because let's say that we start putting Hat more in the leadoff and give him some run up there. Right now, you'll have Hat at 439 on base, Rizzo at 432. That's a hell of a good clip for your top two getting on base. That means the number three hitter in the hole has to move the baseball. You can't strike out 35, 40% of the time. You have to move the baseball. Please, let's go, El Mago. Yeah, it seems sort of tailor-made in that situation for a left-handed hitter to at least be able to hit the ball to second base and move some guys over, right? Dom, you know, out of those three guys, you know, is it Javi or maybe is it someone else for you? Uh, 100% Javi. There's no doubt. Uh, Schwerber, he'll be fine. He just needs to, you know, like Sean said, it's, it's, it's either all or nothing. And, and as, as, you know, pulling back as a larger picture, the game might be just going that way. Uh, with the with the you know Lennon JD like to talk about the three true results. It's either a, you know a home run, a strikeout, or you walk. And you know, is that the best for baseball? Probably not. But you know if you're just going to go up there and take three big hacks, um, we're in some trouble. I, I, to add to to Javi's woes, like Sean said, a third of the time you're striking out. Ugh, yikes! Five percent of the time you're walking. That's that's not good. And I and I know like we don't count on hobby bias to, to draw the walks, but it, it would sure be nice to, you know, put some extra pressure on the team, especially with those guys in front of him uh, getting on base and doing so well. But again, talk about another guy who, who looks like he's up there just guessing all the time. And what we talked about with the pitching, Javi comes up, it's already Oh two. And yep. you're like, he, he hasn't seen a strike that was even borderline. I mean, you know, he'll take a big swing on the first pitch. You're down Oh one. And there's going to be a ball in the dirt. He's going to wave and miss at that. And, and now you got to put your thinking cap on. You're down 0-2, and he's not going to be the Rizzo who's going to choke up on the bat and, you know, foul, foul stuff off. I mean, the, the team certainly grinding, seeing, you know, four and a half pitches per at bat. But uh, I feel like Javi's kind of dragging that average down with, from guys who are making better contact right now. So he has definitely got to uh, do much better, uh, both contact-wise and, you know, getting some hits. Sean, hop back in. Well, and, and to add on to what Dom said, 30 Ks to four walks. 30 Ks to four walks. It's, it's Are you sure that's not you Darvish's split? Yeah, if he was pitching, this would be awesome. <laughs> and, and then and then, and then Javi's sitting there with 10 RBIs. 10 RBIs in 91 plate appearances coming in today, batting behind Riz and either Hat or KB. Guys like Bodie have more RBIs than, than, than Javi does in almost half the plate appearances. And, and it, it, as much as I love Javi, it's one of the things that is still to this point the most infuriating to me is that he just, like Dominic just said, he's 0-2 walking out of the dugout. Like, to take a pitch, son. Take, understand they're going to throw you a slider until you don't swing at it. Just take your walk if that's the case. Keep the line moving. I, I, I love aggressive, but I want intelligent aggressive. And I feel like at this point in Javi's career, we're in, what, year five? now year six he should be there and he's still just not he's definitely struggling and i i've been a bit surprised that this lull at the plate has definitely lasted a little bit longer than it has probably in previous seasons i feel like he's looked like this at times the last couple of years but for whatever reason after about four games or whatever he was able to shake out of it i'm gonna go in a different direction we have been talking about javi a little bit i completely agree with you guys but i'm gonna go with wilson Contreras. honestly I feel like we're a little bit back in the mode where that swing is really long again. 
it was that mode where what was it two three I think it was maybe two seasons ago wasn't hitting the ball for power. He was hitting like 240 and then came back last year. And he was like, I refound my swing, shortened up again, and was really starting to square up the baseball. What's really disappointing is that in the inter-squad games leading up to the season, he was the guy hitting bombs all over the place. And he started off really strong to begin the year. And for whatever reason now, his pitch selection's kind of gone out the window. You know, you, you illustrated it perfectly, Sean. He's got the strikeouts just as high as Javier Schwarber yeah. do. You know, that, that can't happen for him. I always worry about him mentally. He plays with a lot of passion, but I think that that passion gets ahead of him sometimes and ruins what I think could be probably more of a focused game plan uh, at bat to at bat. And I'm just sort of worried right now. I mean, this dude is technically our cleanup hitter, a four or five hitter right now. And he looks really tough. I mean, he's, he's, you know, hitting balls into the ground, uh, you know, like doing these little choppers right now. You can tell that he's in between and, you know, I hope that he can make the mechanical adjustment for Javi's sake. I think Javi is it's decision-making. Honestly, I, I don't really see anything. I mean, he's always going to swing out of his shoes, but I, I think what you guys are saying is completely correct. It's more about discipline and making smart decisions at the plate. For me, I think it's more mechanical with Wilson and that's what sort of scares me about him right now. Uh, Cubs with a 30th, uh, 30th in the league with a K rate. Uh, that's, that's not like that's not going to win your games. 27% walk rate. That's that's brutal. I mean, you're you're yeah. grinding out some at bats, but it's not those three guys. And and I mean, really, those guys should be the one crushing the baseball to to get those runs from the guys who are walking. And it's not happening. To be fair, we just did come off a Milwaukee Brewers series that just we just racked up the K's in that series. I think we struck yeah. out oh. sixteen times in one of those games. I mean, the Brewers bullpen is legit <laughs> dude man the way that they throw peralta out there i mean they got some dudes in there that can straight up just you know sm smoke us uh in terms of those ladings go ahead dom uh versus hater one for 37 with 19 strikeouts hello i yeah, mean uh that's that might be a problem down the stretch because you know it, it's like the andrew miller thing like you might get to him you know like the cubs were were lucky to get to him uh both in game seven and late in that series just because cleveland had it counted on a guy like Miller to get them through the back half of the season and through the playoffs. Um, and Hader is just, you know, ugh. not only is he a horrible human being, but he, you know, filthy pitching too. Yeah. doesn't look like he showers. Sean, hop in. <laughs> once a Sorry, week. Your comments on his showering ability. Once a, once a week. Once a week, guys, you get. I mean, it's called no, I mean, Dove. It's called Dove. It's called Dove. Heard of it? It's called Axe Body Spray, my friend. I smell good. I'm fine. <laughs> At least, the bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you said about Willie is correct and what we said about Javi is correct. I mean, let, let's also let's touch on Schwarbs for a moment as well. Like, I, I, what are we, are we not over the Schwarber? as the cleanup hitter experiment? I mean, hasn't he kind of the last couple of years just been atrocious with men on base hitting? I mean, again, it, it's hard. You know, who do you, who do you put there, right? I'm not, I'm not saying I have the answer, but I don't think it can be the guy that's striking out 40%. It can't be Adam Dunn. We can't put Adam Dunn in the cleanup spot right now. And that's kind of what Schwarber is too. Yeah, so what's unfortunate is, you know, honestly, if you look back last year, Schwarber's splits hitting cleanup last year are pretty solid. Yeah. Um, the sample size isn't huge because obviously we didn't use him uh, for long stretches there, but, like, the numbers are appealing from that sense. As Alec Mills has finally done three and two-thirds innings, I mean, 
honestly, after that, after that first inning of giving up four runs, three and two-thirds innings, you know, I probably move it from an F pitching performance real quick to probably like a C minus. At least he kind of well, he hung hang, in there. let us hang yeah, around he, a little bit. Yeah, they gave him a chance. He, he, you know, pretty much if if he could get out of this inning, that would be two straight innings with with nothing. And after giving up five the first two, that's you know that's kind of a nice recovery. Yeah, and and if his offense could hit the damn baseball with men on base, we've left him loaded two straight innings. It might be five three five four right now. So. Yeah, so back to Schwarber, and honestly, yeah, the the two-out hitting has kind of abandoned us the last week or so, which has been a bit jarring to see, and, and, and I think triggering us from the offenses of the past that were unable to come up with a big hit in a big moment. My thing with Schwarber is I'm having a hard time kind of figuring him out. I mean, God, he can catch a, he can catch a pitch and, and send it in a lot of different directions. You know, everyone talks about how he's got a great eye and he can work a count, and I'm I'm into that, I guess, but you know what, for me, man, like, I I wish that he of all the guys on the team that I wish were aggressive. I kind of wish Schwarber was more aggressive. He takes so many rolling curveballs for strikes early in counts, you know, just to see it, just to just to take it in. And I don't know. I just think he's more of a sea ball, hit ball guy. Uh, you know, Schwarb Schwarb hit baseball kind of dude. That I I sort bam, of wish bam. that yeah, bam bam hit ball. I kind of wish that he was maybe attacking pitches a little bit earlier in counts. You know, am I right? Am I wrong? Or, you know, no, yeah, the deeper that he gets, they throw curveballs in two strike counts and he is toast. He is well, toast. Yeah. And you, and you're right. I mean, that, that has been the, like the notion about Schorber is a lot of power and, and he can see the ball very well and take his walks. But when you're striking out of the 40% clip over like a, a 20 game sample size, and this ain't the first time he's done that. Like, it's hard for me to completely buy in if the guy's got a good eye. I mean, I'm sorry. When you're four and 10 Ks, like, get out of here. Yeah, especially tough. Um, well, let's talk about the bullpen. Uh, hey, hey, let's go. <laughs> here we go, buddy. I'm out of here. This is uh, nice knowing you guys. It's Put been a real pleasure. On. Put your seatbelt on. Here goes Mr. Fortini. This wow. five, five-time champion is just going <laughs> to wind up dead. You just crushed that monster energy drink right on top of your skull. Uh, beautiful crack, my friend. You know, let's talk about the bullpen. You know, after 10 games, it was apocalyptic. I don't know if it's necessarily at those particular terms. Maybe we're more like in judgment day times when the machines take over. You know, it's still pretty bad. Do we have but- a machine down there who could throw? Because that would be great, too. Uh, it's possible, yeah. Just like a circle shows up and a naked pitcher <laughs> from the future shows up to pitch uh, the eighth let's, inning. Let's give the uh, let's give the bullpen catcher a shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not, not a bad idea. So, you know, let's start with the good, right? Rowan Wick, Jeremy Jeffress, Casey Sadler didn't pitch so great last night. I do. I want to like Casey Sadler. I really do. I want to like him. I have a hard time doing it. Ryan Tapera wants to like him, have a hard time doing it. Kimbrell's last two outings have looked at least decent, as in he's gotten three outs in an inning. We're they starting small. Babies, yeah, baby steps. <laughs> you know, we're, we're a little bit better than we were yesterday, but we're still not all the way there. You know, Dom, your thoughts on the bullpen right now and any thoughts on what we could possibly do moving forward other than just keep throwing these guys out there and hopefully finding a rotation of guys we can count on? You, you like, okay, so <laughs> as Dwayne, as Dwayne oh, Underwood, as Dwayne Underwood, let's <laughs> inherited runner score immediately how, as we say that. How to share my anger in a constructive way. I'm um, going to turn down your levels. And <laughs> uh, I, again, 
I, as you started with, it, it doesn't seem as awful as it was the first 10. It seems just below that. Um, and, the, you know, it, it, we joke around with Kimbrell, but, you know, he, the pitches are moving. He's getting swings and misses. He's, there's, there's some positives there. He's, he's throwing a fastball, which, you know, he's throwing strikes. Let's start small. Get the ball over the plate. Get a called strike. You know, maybe the guy fouls one off. Now you're 0-2, and hopefully you don't walk him on four straight at that point. But he's throwing a lot more strikes, and that's pretty much the only positive thing I could give you out of the bullpen. <laughs> that's okay. I, I don't mean... trust. I don't trust any of these guys. And you know, I, I wish the Cubs could play more seven inning games because it was sure nice to see Hendricks go deep in the seven inning game the other night. Um, each guy that comes out is just. I'm not going to say a joker because they can still throw the ball over the plate and there's a lot of movement, but God bless it. You got to get somebody out. You got to get guys out. What are you doing? You're, you're already playing this, this weirdo schedule, these guys. And I, we talked about this on the preview episode. And my thing was throw them out there every day. Who cares? Blow your arm out in 60 games. It's not going to matter. And you know, they can't throw strikes and you can't get guys out and you're going to get hit hard. And that's what's happening. I mean, over. I mean, just with three straight leads, three straight losses against Milwaukee. Come on, man! You you got to be able to close the door on those guys. Not only is it just any old game; it's a division opponent. You've got to be able to beat the Brewers. You got to be able to beat the Cardinals, and it's not happening with those guys. Especially when you've shown a capacity to come back in games, score runs late in games. I mean, it's those little extra tack on runs that are sort of killing the Cubs right now in those one run losses. Sean, your thoughts on the bullpen besides Dan Winkler for president? Oh, don't you? Oh, man. You want to strap in if you start going there. I'm, I'm going to go Dominic on you as well. I mean, I think like last night, you know, as I was texting Joey, was the perfect example of why I want to rip out my hair with this bullpen. It's a 5-1 lead in the eight. Just throw the damn ball over the plate. And yet we have four walks and a hit batter. And all of a sudden we got to bring Rowan Wicken, who's now wasted for today because he has to throw 30 pitches because Winkler and Sadler and whoever else can't throw the ball over the plate. Now, having said that, as a group, from the first 10 to the last 10, slightly better. I've got some, like, I kind of I wrote them down, like, great to bad, if you will. Like, Wick is 1-1-3 one, uh, one, ERA, Jefferson, 0. .90, great. Uh, Tapera, he's okay. He's, like, 3.12. Then you get into, like, your Sadler, who's 4-7 with six walks. No thank you. Kyle Ryan, 8.1, three home runs. That's get him out. That's an average of 14.9 homers per nine. No, thank you. The Winkler kid, 3.86, but again, eight walks. I mean, Kimbrell's managed to get his, uh, his ERA down to a nice, tasty 13.5. Well, it started at 81, so. Yeah, but I kind of yeah, think to Dominic's point, it, it's kind of like, a, like a, you know, in, in basketball, right? When you've got a, a hot shooter, you give him the ball. And I kind of think the bullpen has to be that way this year, right? So, you know, we could do a podcast on a Monday and talk about a guy that was hot the previous four days. Then he can be bad three days. Okay, sit down till you get it again. Let the, let the next hot guy come in and pitch because you just can't give guys too much time to work through things when you have a 60-game season. If you're throwing the ball over the plate and you're throwing strikes, that's who I have to go to right now. And we're already seeing that with the, with the closer position, right? I mean yeah. – 
Jeffress is out there closing ninth inning games. Wick is out there right now. Eventually, I guarantee you, we will see Kimbrell in a ninth inning probably at some point during the season. T- today's it- a good day to put him in. Oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to see Kimbrell today. Okay. I mean, I was texting with Sean yesterday that, you know, in the theory of us sweeping the doubleheader, you use Wick last night because then you got Jeremy Jeffress and then you absolutely have to use Kimbrell at some point today. I mean, that is absolutely yeah. going to happen. You're probably not going to see Jefferson this game unless we come back and pitch. And yeah, you know, you're just going to keep kind of rotating these guys in and out. You know, they moved Brad Wick to the 45-day IL, so guess what? He's not helping us this year from the left side uh, as a reliever. Asley is going to start the second game. Maybe you can keep him around and just kind of hope, especially with more of these double headers, can he be the guy to give you two or three innings every three or four days? Just give you some outs, right? Because that's what happened last night. You know, we just needed guys to get us some outs to get us to that eighth or ninth inning. I'm starting to feel at least, I don't know about confident, but at least a, a level of stability about who we can turn to for the last six outs of the game starting to at least sort of feel a little bit okay about that it's those outs that are previous that are going to be really hard to cover and that's what we're struggling to do hop in sean well and i'm gonna i'm gonna add into what you're saying you know from the left side we're getting close to a decision what do we do with quintana do we do we put him in the bullpen and let him try to be that left side guy that can pump you know out of the pen 94 95 with a good curve or do we look at the fact and we say you know oh shit this is kind of too Two knocks in a row for Mills. We got Chatwood with the bad back. I think he, I think I'm hearing he's going to be okay. But do we slide Quintana back into the rotation, or do we let him come out of the pen and be that left-handed guy? Considering we don't have a lefty right now, we just don't. We don't have a left-handed. Coward. They want Ryan to be the guy. He's not. He's just not himself right now. Yeah, and they're also talking about maybe Chatwood going to the bullpen too as well. And you know, we'll see. Alec Mills isn't necessarily etched in stone here in the starting <laughs> rotation. Dom, I'm going to ask you, and then we're going to get to our, our last little topic here. You know, for Quintana, not what you want to see happen. You know, what do you think the Cubs need to do with him? Does he need to be in the rotation, or will he be better served in the bullpen right now? No, I think he's better served as a starting pitcher overall. Um, you know, these guys are a little bit finicky with that, um, at, at least if you can say. I think he's a little behind Chatwood in terms of, you know, uh, skill set this year. Um, so. But although I do have like I do have the gut feeling like I want to throw Quintana I want to throw him against the White Sox, um, I feel like it's a big upper for him. Um, I think we're going to see him on Friday or Saturday. That's where I, it's all. That's where it's trending in my opinion right now. I just feel like uh, a Chatwood. He, he's made the adjustment to the bullpen before, and like you said, who's to say we can't go in and out with these guys? Just I mean we we've talked about a six man rotation. It doesn't really matter when you've got two or the th- you know two or three guys not doing very well. The six man rotation is not going to do you very well. Um, I would rather see Quintana as a starter for sure uh, coming up in a series, and, and you really put some pressure on the opponent at that point too. Um, if you're going right, left, right, uh, as opposed to just right, 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 to where you're seeing the same guys just crush you all weekend. Final question. Uh, by the time this pod comes out, the Cubs are going to be about 23, 24 games in. We're going to catch up with you guys again in about 10 more games. So, Sean, we're going to go to you first. Over this next stretch, until we talk again, we've kind of covered all the bases today. You know, the Cubs are going to be playing the Sox this weekend, Then I think they got the Reds and the Tigers on the schedule coming up. What do you want to see from this team? One specific thing that if they could just improve maybe in that area right now. You know, they're still playing good baseball, but there's so much room for improvement across the board. What's the one thing that you're looking at right now that you'd like to see out of the next 10 games? 
I, I, I want to see us go back to the offensive approach of the first 10 games. That's what I want to see. I'm going to trust that the bullpen is going to continue to get slightly better. I'm going to trust the starting pitching is still going to give us a chance most games. I need to see the offense. I mean, even today, you know, the Cubs have made 10 outs, five or, five or via strikeout. We can't have these – we can't keep having these games where we're going up here striking out 10, 12, 14 times. We're, we're taking our walks. We're getting guys on base. We have to move the baseball. So let me see some better hitting, especially from the guys that we talked about, Javi, Schorber, Willie, and if he gets back healthy, KB. Dom, what do you want to see from this Cubs team over the next 10 games? Something specific, some sort of sense of improvement in what area? Well, there's 11, there's 11 left in the month, and you know I think you can beat up on Detroit pretty good. They're terrible. Uh, the White Sox series will be – it's always heated between these two teams, so that's always fun. And the Reds are a tough divisional opponent. Um, having said that, out of 11 games, I think the Cubs can win six or seven. Uh, like Sean said, you're going to have to improve the hitting. And uh, <laughs> ah, this bullpen, they lost four games by five runs. I mean, come on. Uh, that's both a testament to, to other teams scoring late, and it's a testament of not getting timely hitting. So we're definitely going to need to see more of, more of that. But I think you can still have a positive outcome – uh, for the rest of this month and um, you know adding six more wins to that total of the team that's you know that's going to help you get you closer to that 30 goal a couple things I'm looking at is I, I I don't have the schedule in front of me I'm just kind of got my fingers crossed that Lester does not face the White Sox this weekend that feels like a recipe yeah. for home run disaster uh, that offense right now the White Sox they're just slugging home runs all over the ballpark and that is not a great matchup for Johnny Lester interested to see that Things, is it? Yeah, there you go. Get ready, folks. Um, that might not be – I mean, Lester's off to a great start. He can still have a great season. I just do not like that matchup. So you heard that here first. The one thing that I want to look at is I just want to get back to that two-out hitting. I want to get back to those two-out rallies. Uh, I think it's really fallen off the board the last couple of days. We're seeing it today. Bases loaded with two outs. We can't get any runs in at all. You know, you got to shorten up the stick and just get it done. You know, we haven't really had these – duck snorts of these little flares fall down for hits the little dribblers that get through the hole you know you have to do whatever it takes to get on base I know you want to hit the ball every hard every single time but you do have to figure out a way to get some of these runs in I do want to see that and then I'll be honest with you I think that there is some lineup tinkering in our future as Cubs fans I think we're going to see a few guys moved around I know David Ross has tried really really hard to maintain the same lineup every single day but I got to be honest, I think it might be time to tinker around a little bit. I mean, I think when KB comes back, I don't think we see him at the leadoff spot. It might be Ian half for a little while. Maybe just go with Rizzo. Just call it a day. Go Rizzo, Bryant, just flip him. And this Javi Baez in the three-hole thing. Really curious to see if that's going to continue moving forward. I get to see people not really, like, moving drastically around the lineup, but just sort of flipping some spots here. And maybe they can lock into something that they can ride for about 10 to 15 games. But I would not be surprised if I see that. Sean, hop in. Yeah, and continuing with that, I think it's a perfect time to do that. This weekend, White Sox, you've got Lester Hendricks, Darvish for us. The White Sox can't pitch. The series after that, the Tigers, they can't pitch. This is the time to do your tinkering, and your offense has to come through and score some runs against some bad pitching, get the good mojo, get the vibes going again, have next Thursday off, and then let's go in and crush the Reds and have a nice division lead going into the next month. Absolutely. 
That's a great point. That'll do it, you guys. Cubs are still in first place. It doesn't quite feel the same as the first 10 games, but we are 20-plus games into the season. This was your Chicago Cubs check-in right here on Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos with our guests, Dom Fortini and Sean Graves here today. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the pod and all the other pods this week. We got one more coming this week. We got talking some fantasy football. Top 10 wide receivers should be hitting your desk tomorrow, so make sure you check it out. Until then, be safe, be kind, be good to each other, and we will talk then. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.